Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to this week's News Desk. I'm Chris Stafford. And this is Season 4, Episode 18, and we're recording on Wednesday, May the 18th, a glorious day in Middleburg, Virginia. How is it over in London, Nancy? Um, yeah, it's not too bad. It's also pretty nice weather over here as well. Um, yeah, starting to definitely get in, into summer vibes. Um, hopefully it stays like this and doesn't, doesn't start raining. <laughs> yeah, because you've got a race coming up, haven't you? Yeah, so I'm doing a trails half marathon um, next, the weekend after next, uh, up in the Lake District. So ideally, I mean, ideally I kind of want no rain, but not too hot. So kind of, (laughs) you know, like uh, maybe 18 Celsius or something like that. And yeah, so I don't want to be dehydrated. I don't want to get soaking wet, but pleasant weather would be very nice. So yeah, fingers crossed that it stays kind of how it is at the moment. Yeah, well, good luck with that. You let us know how that goes, of course. And you're thinking of a marathon again in the fall, aren't you? Yeah, potentially doing maybe the Yorkshire, yeah, Yorkshire marathon in October. Um, haven't quite decided whether I'm going to do that yet or not. Um, yeah, definitely need to get into a kind of like I still run very regularly, but kind of lost the routine of doing it really. You know, like if you're training for something, because uh, I've been doing a few other kind of sports and stuff as well. So, yeah, I think I think potentially, but I think I have to consider it because um, obviously running a marathon is a lot of dedication. Yeah, well, I know how that feels like, of course, having just trained for that long bike ride. And I backed off a little bit, but I'm still, I still, you know, know that I've got to do like 10 to 15 miles a day. And keep building that up if I'm going to do another one, which I am in the fall. I'm going to do another long ride. Um, but, but yeah, it's it. I had a little bit of a break after. You know what that's like. After your, your big one, you have to have a little bit of a break. But I'm picking that back up to my 10 or 15 miles a day. Um, and now that it's warmed up over here and it is beautiful weather, I've been going out at very first light to get it done while the air is still fresh it's not too hot um get the exercise done but you mentioned you're doing other things as well you're playing soccer aren't you football yeah football yeah (laughs) yeah playing football again um yeah we actually did a little tournament last thursday uh which just like a little seven aside tournament with some other teams in london that was fun uh and then yeah i went swimming on monday as well so Gosh. Yeah, very active. athlete. Yeah. yeah, I know yeah. triathlon coming up. I was thinking <laughs> that too. I was thinking she's going to tell me she's getting ready for a triathlon next. 
Oh, I'm not. I'm not good enough at swimming to do a triathlon. Yeah, you can work on that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. All right. We'll keep us posted here. Don't go off and do something major like that without warning us. Yeah. Well, of course, I'll, I'll keep you updated if I ever lose my mind and sign up to a triathlon. <laughs> All right. Well, talking about football, we've got some major, major news that made the sports page. It made the headlines everywhere here this morning in the US, Nancy. So it's news that we've been waiting a long time for when it comes to women's soccer. And finally, finally um, a re- reaching a level playing field with the men. Yeah, and I think, like you said, we've been waiting for it for a while, and then also it's something that we've we've known is coming for I think a couple of months now. Um, but yeah, it's kind of gone by stage by stage by stage, and we've we've seemed to finally reach the conclusion. And yeah, that's the equal pay battle um, um, from the US women's football team. Um, so yeah, I mean, this started way back in 2019 when the female players uh, filed a discrimination lawsuit against US soccer. It's kind of, you know, in and out of court. I think there's been quite a few twists and turns and then they finally reached a settlement um, a few months ago. I think it was February that it that they announced they'd reached a settlement and then it kind of all hinged on um, a collective bargaining agreement uh, between the players and US soccer. And it also had to be the case that the men's players also agreed to the same collective bargaining agreement as well. So that is what has been announced today, essentially. So they have now reached an agreement. Uh, so the women, the women's team get equal pay. Uh, they are going to pull the World Cup prize money um, and along with the share of television and sponsorship revenues as well. Um, and it's not just pay as well. I think that's important to add. Um, it's equality of kind of childcare benefits, um, travel and accommodation, venues. Um, so it's all, you know, it's it's basically kind of everything, every aspect of being in the national team. Um, and yeah, it benefits the, the men's players as well because the men's team now receive childcare benefits, um, which the women's team had for more than 25 years. So it's, it is, you know, like the, the definition of equality, both, both the men and the women's teams benefit from this. Um, and like you said, it's incredibly long time coming. Um, a lot of other countries have given their national teams equal pay. And despite the fact that the US were the most... Uh, successful women's team in the world by a, a long way. They they hadn't been getting the pay that they deserved, and yeah, it's great to see that that's finally changed now. It certainly is, and I think you know now that they can just settle down and you know get on with what they do best. And you know they are in certainly I think it's arguable, but they're probably the best team in the world still. Um, that's going to be disputed, I know, come the next World Cup. And it didn't seem that way at the Olympics, obviously. Uh, we didn't find a form, but we're still one of the top, Nancy. I, I mean, the reputation is there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's um, really looking forward to the World Cup next year because um, I think because of COVID and stuff, I feel like the, we haven't had many matches, um, you know, the best teams in Europe going up against the US. I, I agree, I don't quite know where... US are obviously still a really talented team, but it would be really interesting to see, um, yeah, them play some Euro- European team soon and hopefully we'll get that at the World Cup. And like you said, it will be so nice for the players going into the tournament with the football as their main, their full main focus. Um, you know, now they've kind of finally achieved uh, what they've been fighting for for so many years. 
Yeah, I think obviously create a much better atmosphere too. Whilst that dispute was happening, it was always lingering there in the background and creating, you know, some animosity, which will all just go away now and they can get on with the game and doing what they do best. So I'm really looking forward to to seeing what they produce now. And, um, you know, I think they'll all feel so much better for it. So great news. And uh, really, as I said, it's not just making the sports pages. It's been making the front pages as well over here because uh, the USWNT are very, very uh, of a very high profile here in the US and across the pond there over there uh, you last week we spoke we, we were on, we we're doing the show and you were looking forward to going to the FA Cup final where Chelsea played Manchester City now uh, you didn't have a dog in the fight but you told me just now that you were hoping Manchester City would would win uh, but Chelsea got the better of them 3-2 yeah, I think I, yeah, I was definitely a neutral, but I can't, because Chelsea won the WSL title, I kind of would have liked to have seen a bit of variation. Um, but I must say Chelsea did win, but it was one of the most entertaining F- women's FA Cup finals I think I've ever seen. Um, it was 3-2 after extra time. So uh, Chelsea went 1-0 up and City equalised and then the same happened again. And for the for the second Man City equaliser, it came in the very last minute of um, normal time. Uh, so that was very dramatic. And then, yeah, Sam Kerr, who is just constantly making headlines at the moment, she scored the winner in extra time. Um, so, yeah, it was also a record attendance of 49,094 fans. Um, and it was... You know, when you it's when you get attendances like that, you just hope and pray that the match is entertaining to, you know, kind of be worthy of, of the crowd that's there and, and convince people to come along to another match. And the game certainly was like that. It was it was really, really entertaining. Um so yeah, congrats to Chelsea. I think that's you know that's their um second title this season after the league title as well. And they are such a difficult team to to play against um having watched being an Arsenal fan and watch watch Arsenal and many other teams play against them and yeah they uh they always just find a way even though City kept coming back they they find a way to win so yeah congrats to Chelsea there yeah great news for women's uh, soccer women's football for sure and Emma Hayes of course is the Chelsea manager well what's her magic Nancy what do you see as her magic um, I think, I don't know. I think that, you know, there's a lot of different things. I think she's got uh, a very talented squad and she knows how to get the best out of her squad. Um, I think tactically, she's just very, very, um, she's a bit of a genius, really. There's There's been times on, uh, for the men's Euros last year, she was a pundit um, or and a commentator and she had basically like, during the matches kind of explain what was happening on the pitch in tactical terms, but really kind of like simplistic tactical terms. So everyone at home could understand. And at that point you realize that she's, yeah, but basically a bit of a tactical genius. She, you know, she really gets football. She knows how to, how to win games. And yeah, I think just obviously has the respect of her players as well. Um, So kind of, it's just a bit of a dream combination at Chelsea at the moment with a, very talented manager and a very talented playing squad. Was she a player before she managed Nancy? She wasn't, no. I think she played um, at like a amateur level or like, you know, um, when she was younger, but she got injured and then went into coaching. So she never like played enough to kind of establish herself 
as a, a proper player, but she she did play herself, but yeah, was injured before that career could kind of take off. Um, so management has always kind of been her thing. She was at uh, Arsenal like years ago in the backroom staff. So when Arsenal women won the quadruple and they are still the only British team to win the Women's Champions League, but Emma Hayes was actually part of the coaching team that helped Arsenal win that Champions League. So she's been in the women's game coaching for years and that's probably another uh, reason why it is working so well for her because she's just got this incredible knowledge of the women's game and the players around it because she's she's been involved for so long. Awesome, yeah. Well, she is certainly the manager to follow. Congratulations to her then. Um, look forward to what comes next because there's been some transfer news as well. Nancy, is there anything you particularly want to mention on the transfer stories um, because that's been happening a lot since uh, the end of season? Yeah, some really interesting ones. Um, I think quite a lot of players leaving Man City, uh, particular, particularly uh, Georgia Stanway, who's a midfielder, English midfielder, and she's moved um, to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's a few two, other... Two-year contract, isn't it, that one? Yeah, two-year contracts. Um, there's Caroline Weir, another midfielder for City, who's uh, been linked, I think, is pretty close to going to Real Madrid. So it's, it's very interesting to see, well, Caroline Weir is Scottish, but to see these British players um, going over to Europe uh, and not playing in England because it's something that we haven't seen too much of in women's football. It, it has, you know, some players have done it, but it's been relatively kind of, you know, that hasn't happened a lot. And I think that's that can, you know, really develop players and, and help them grow. So I'm really interested to see how those British players that go over to Europe do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's only the transfer window has kind of only been open for a few days and it's already kind of kicked off. So I'm interested to see what else happens. Yeah. All right. Um, prediction here. You know, we know that Tobin Heath, who was playing for Arsenal, uh, she came back to the States and did her contract there and is back in the States. And we're just waiting to see where she goes. Any predictions there? Any thoughts on whether she'll go to new one of those new extension teams on the expansion teams on the West Coast, Nancy? Or any thoughts? On yeah, that? I think, it, in my opinion, she either go to uh, Angel City or San Diego. Um, San Diego, she's worked with Casey Stoney before, so maybe she'll be quite tempted to go back with her. I think she she has praised her before and said that one of the reasons when she went to Manchester United. Uh, she she went there because Casey Stoney at the time was manager. So essentially, I think I personally think one of those two teams. Yeah, that's my opinion. Well, of course, Kristen Press um, is with Angel City. Just saying, and so she would be a, a competitor. Uh, I know geographically very close, but uh, yeah, that would be very interesting, wouldn't it, if she went there? But she's got to get fit first. I think she's still overcoming that injury, from what I hear. Yeah, so I think, and as yeah, I think like fitness is probably one of the bigger issues because she struggled to get game time last season because of fitness issues. So hopefully, um, once she gets over it, she that's it, and it doesn't kind of rear its head again. Mm -hmm. All right, we will bring you any news that we have on that. 
of course, here on the news desk and at wisports.com. You can follow the links to all the stories as well. And don't forget, follow us on social media too, at wisports and at Nancy underscore Gillen. We'll give you all of those at the end of the show. But let's move on now to uh, the next story we, we've got is actually in sailing. It's some good news for a brand new tour in women's sailing, Nancy. Yeah, this is uh, very exciting for sailing fans. So the World Match Racing Tour is um, has announced that it's launching the first women's World Match Racing Tour. Um, so that um, it's going to have four events in France, Denmark, Greece, and then the World Championships in New Zealand. Um, so it's, yeah, we're basically going to try and grow female participation in sailing and uh, match racing around the world. Uh, particularly because I think there's currently over 200 female match racing sailors um, on the world sailing global ranking. So a lot of people that can get involved um, in this event, basically. Um, and yeah, I think there's been women's match racing before, isn't it? It hasn't there. Um, I think the um, yes. women's international match racing series um, started in 2013. And I think the last title was awarded in 2019. So it's kind of continuing on from that. But yeah, great to see another sailing event um, launch specifically for women. Yeah, very good news. We may hear more about that on the sailing show. So stay tuned here with sports. We're going to move on to tennis now because it is a busy time in Europe with the hard court, hard court season uh, well underway with the Italian, with the Spanish, so in Spain, they're in Italy. And of course, it will be Roland Garros for the French Open coming up very shortly here. But there's one player who is dominating this year. And it's really exciting to see her just go from strength to strength, Nancy, the Polish player Iga Swiatek. Uh, you've been reading some interesting stats on her, haven't you? Yeah, and she, like you said, she's just been completely dominating this year. Um, it's currently the world number one uh, after she moved up to the world number one spot after Ashley Barty retired. But I would, you know, I'm kind of disappointed now that Barty has retired because <laughs> I would have loved to see them go against each other and see yes. who, who was actually, you know, who is. I know they they played in the I think a tournament before the Australian Open, but I don't think. Um, Swiatek wasn't quite in the form that she's in now, so it would have been really interesting to see those two play. Um, because no one else seems to be able to to stop her. She's she's got a current winning streak of twenty eight consecutive matches um, after winning the Italian Open last weekend, and so she's heading into uh, the French Open as a very heavy favourite. Um, and yeah, some of the statistics are just incredible when matching or closing in on uh, a lot of kind of records set by Serena Williams. Um, so she um, is, she's her winning streak, first of all. Um, so she's got 28. So since 2000, um, she's got the fourth longest winning streak. Uh, so Venus Williams has the longest with 35. Justine Hennin has 32. And then Serena Williams has 34. So Swiatek with 28 isn't too far off that. Um, she's become uh, the first player since Serena Williams in 2014 to win more than five titles uh, in a single season. Um, and as well, she has, I think, the first player since Serena Williams to uh, win 
four WTA 1000 titles uh, in a row as well. So she's really kind of like matching the dominance that Serena Williams once had in uh, women's tennis. Um, and yeah, so the French Open coming up, up next week. Um, I think for me, obviously, yeah, Swiatek has dominated and she's been winning all the WTA 1000 titles. But I suppose you kind of, when you measure greatness in tennis and you look back at all the big names, it's always measured by Grand Slams. So... I suppose uh, she will want to start winning more Grand Slams. She's got one to her name after winning the French Open in 2020. And yeah, surely at this rate, she is definitely favourite to win this year's event too. Yeah, very excited to watch her just go from strength to strength. Really, really fun. And as you say, records being broken. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And and good to see new names too, because there's a lot of really good players on the women's side now, um, you know, from different countries. There's a great diversity too. And some exciting, very young players, as we've talked about before. So, yeah, let's see what she does. I, I wouldn't bet against her for the French Open, would you? Oh, yeah, no, she's she's definitely my favourite to win. Yeah, OK, well, we'll be following that. Looking forward to it. It starts next week, Roland Garros, where Amelie Moresmo is the manager. If uh, anybody follows tennis, they'll know that already. I think she was in the, during COVID, I think she took over that position. So, yeah, and also I just want to give a shout out to one of my favourite players, talking about the veterans, which uh, Amelie is probably regarded now as, as one of the veterans, possibly. But more of a veteran is Gabriela Sabatini, the Argentinian player, who is now going to be playing in the veterans at Roland Garros in the doubles I believe so really looking forward to seeing that because that's the first time she's come back I think um, probably ever I mean she really kept herself to herself um, after she retired back in the 90s so yeah looking forward to that With the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's move on to something completely different now. And this is an Iranian weightlifting story. What's that about, Nancy? Yes, this is um, about um, two Iranian weightlifters um, have basically defected and uh, fled to Germany. So they were both competing in uh, Greece at a um, at the Junior World Championships. Um, and... Yeah, both have basically left um, because of the way they're treated in Iran. Um, it's essentially two of Iran's best female weightlifters as well. So it's kind of left their team quite depleted. Um, so, yeah, my uh, one of my former colleagues at Inside the Games has interviewed one of the Iranian weightlifters that has left. Um, and, yeah, she's kind of revealed some of the treatment that she had. So... She says she was only paying $90 in three years competing for Iran as a weightlifter, uh, while male athletes received a monthly salary. Uh, She couldn't speak or mix with her own male teammates, um, had bad training conditions, was suspended when she complained, and then was treated humiliatingly throughout her time in the national team. Um, So, yeah, if you kind of read the whole interview, she goes into more details about one of those aspects. Um, 
and yeah, there, there was kind of like really ridiculous statements made in the press. So there's a famous Iranian actor who said that uh, weightlifting was cu- contrary to motherhood um, and that women that did it could damage their breasts and ovaries. Um, so this was an, on an in, during an interview on Iran's state television. Um, and yeah, his comments kind of just went uncriticised. Um, so yeah, I think quite a sad state of, of affairs. Uh, the other woman that uh, defected was the 17-year-old Yekta Jamali, um, who was um, has, I think, three times, she's a three-time youth and junior world champion um, or medalist at the junior world championships. So yeah, she was a kind of very exciting young prospect. So I think it shows just the kind of how badly they were being treated that, that both athletes felt they needed to um, kind of flee to Germany. Yeah, well, hopefully that, you know, they'll be still be able to represent their country. Uh, do you think they will or, or does this mean they've been ostracized now? Probably ostracized, I think, but hopefully they'd be able to um, compete for Germany instead. Um, that might require a change in nationality, but there's also at the Olympics uh, the refugee team as well. So potentially maybe they'd be able to compete for the refugee team. Um, so hopefully there are still options for them to compete. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a good story, very comprehensive story. And uh, again, as Nancy said, that's at InsideTheGames.biz and the uh, author of that is Brian Oliver. We'll put a link in the show notes, as always, at Wisports.com. Right, what have we got next, Nancy? We've got um, a story about volering Itzulia women's stage one win. What what volering wins the first stage as organisers apologise for race director comments? What's going on there? Yeah, so this is the Itzulia women's cycling race. So this is uh, the race has happened. Um, so volering did win overall. Um, I think she won all three stages. But um, yeah, organisers. So so the the race is basically um, the it was the first time that this race had been happened uh, had happened and it's the equivalent of the men's tour of the Basque country so uh, one of the more prestigious races on the men's cycling tour um so yeah they'd finally created a women's equivalent and it was on the women's world tour um but then the organizer of the race Julian Arasso um he was forced well organizers were forced to ap- apologize after Arasso um spoke to a radio show and suggested that they'd been forced to organize a women's race so he said, um, we have almost been forced to organise it. it. This is a matter of fashion. Everyone says that you have to do things for women's sport and it has also touched cycling. Um, so as you can imagine, this this caused a lot of uproar. Um, and the race organisers, uh, in their apology, um, said that they're, well, they said, sorry, they said their support and commitment as an organisation to women's cycling are unequivocal. Uh, and the organisation regrets any misunderstanding and the unease generated and hopes that the unfortunate comments made by Arasso do not tarnish the excellent progress made by the arrival of the Itzulia women uh, race. So, yeah, kind of probably obviously a great occasion that this women's race has been, there's finally a women's equivalent of the Tour of the Basque Country, um, but really... uh, Massively overshadowed by some very kind of disappointing comments from the organisers. Yeah, very, very disappointing. Well, we have another story from Cycling, Nancy. This is an absolute tragedy, what happened to Mariah Wilson, 
um, a gravel cyclist in in Texas last week. Uh, tell us about that story because that really is really really hard. This one. Yeah, very very tragic shooting. Um, so yeah, Mariah Wilson. She uh, is an elite racer on the U.S. gravel and mountain bike scene, um, and she travelled to Texas um, for an event, um, and yeah, unfortunately was um, found bleeding and unconscious um, and she'd been shot and it's been ruled as a homicide. Um, so yeah, just 25 years old and essentially just traveling to a race as well. It's just very, um, yeah, really, really, really horrible news. Um, they haven't released further details of the crime. So I'm, yeah, I think it's unclear as to exactly what unfolded, but yeah, just... <laughs> a very kind of talented cyclist um yeah losing her life it's just very very sad absolutely tragic and as you say so young um and she was a ski racer she grew up in vermont she was a ski racer before she switched to cycling and she was regarded as a rising star in american cycling in 2021 she vaulted onto the national scene after she finished second at the colorado's leadville trail 100 mile 100 mile mountain bike one of the largest mountain bike events in the country and then won the arkansas big sugar gravel race and she continued her upward trajectory in 2022 by winning the sea otter classic and the belgian waffle ride events so she was very much a rising star in the sport and gravel cycling is becoming increasingly popular over here it's something i do but not racing <laughs> i train on gravel i live riding on gravel but yeah a terrible terrible tragedy um so our thoughts with her and her family and the racing community the cycling community well our last story this week um James Haskell is somebody in rugby you may be more familiar with than I am uh, over there in the UK. He's been accused of disrespecting female rugby players, Nancy, and he was called out. Yeah, he was. So this is, yeah, James Haskell was a um, a former England rugby player, um, quite, I mean, pretty high profile. He does like a lot of media stuff now. Um, and he also is, um, has a kind of, um, I suppose, media platform uh, for rugby called uh, Good and it's something like Good and Bad Rugby um, and it's like a podcast and stuff like that so they have a it's, sorry it's the Good the Bad and the Rugby podcast um, so they have an Instagram um, account for this and basically they posted a graphic uh, listing England's most capped front rowers um, but uh, Simi Pam who plays um, in the Premier 15 so is uh, one of you know the elite women's rugby competition in, in the country. Um, she pointed out that um, it wasn't England's most capped front rowers. It was England men's most capped front rowers because um, the most capped women's rugby player, Rochelle Rocky Clark, who is the most capped England player of all time, men and women, uh, wasn't on the list. So Simi Pam wrote a comment explaining this and then Haskell uh, replied to her, telling her to have a day off. Um, so he's been criticised for this more than, you know, the fact that he put the graphic on uh, not clarifying that it was England men's because, I mean, that happens a lot and it's obviously needs to be amended, but it's can be an innocent mistake. But then telling a female rugby player to have a day off, um, you know, for, for pointing out this mistake is, is pretty bad. I think people have kind of criticised him by saying... You know, he's he kind of like 
pretends to be supportive of uh women's rugby but then when it comes to it he's you know putting uh disrespecting female rugby players and female rugby fans by kind of replying like that to a legitimate uh criticism um so he has yeah he he has kind of he's kind of apologized but he's also kind of hasn't really seen the point like he replied later that he says we have done more to champion women's rugby than anyone else uh, create this show about the female game um, by making a fuss over stuff like this you weaken your point and actually set yourself back like pick your battles and try to be positive which I, I don't think quite understands the argument and like the reason why the fact he said have a day off was uh, completely the wrong uh, reply to something like that so yeah he's kind of got himself in hot water there a bit and, and just shows I think that there's still quite a lot of work to do with with people I suppose viewing women's rugby as as equal yeah and that they you know the men continue to be so patronizing to women it's unconscionable and I'm glad he was called out on it well Nancy that I think about wraps it up this week doesn't it it does yeah another very um jam-packed week of women's sport yeah, and what have you got to look forward to then with the soccer season over, so at least the domestic soccer season, football season, sorry, football season over there, um, and you're playing a little bit yourself, but um, what what other live events are you looking forward to going to? Um, I don't, well, I suppose the Euros is probably the next big live event, and that's, that's about six weeks away, but yeah, just preparing for the Euros. Uh, we've got the Women's Champions League on Sunday, which I won't be going to live because it's in Italy, but I'll be watching on TV. Uh, the French Open, definitely uh, Wimbledon. I'm really hoping to go to some of the little uh, tournaments that happen in England before Wimbledon because... Eastbourne, you have to go to Eastbourne. Yeah, Eastbourne. And then there's the one in Birmingham as well, which will be yes. quite interesting. Birmingham to Classic. To yeah. yeah, I need to try and sort my accreditation out for that. Um, but yeah, in the immediate future, I don't think, unless I'm forgetting something, there's... Um, yeah, not not going any, to anything in the immediate future, but there's a lot on the horizon. So just looking forward to that. There's certainly a lot to watch out for, as you say. French Open starts next week and Wimbledon will be here before we know it. Uh, lots, lots to look forward to. As always here, we will bring you the top stories uh, that we pick each week at uh, wissports.com. Whenever you listen to podcasts, just look for Wissports or the Wissports desk. And follow Nancy at Nancy underscore Gillen. And, and what are your other social media handles, Nancy? Yeah, so that's my Twitter handle. And then my Instagram handle is Nancy Gillen underscore sport. And then everything I write is on Give Me Sport Women. And our Twitter handle is Give Me Sport W. Okay, and we, of course, at social media um, at Wisp Sports. So from Nancy and me, Chris Stafford, until next week, thank you for listening and enjoy your sport.